Scano Sego Ani, Bojo Kwekwe Tansi. And good morning and welcome to Moment of Truth. And you are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. In Toronto at 106.5. And in Toronto, or rather, in Ottawa at 95.7. You could also be listening on your device of choice if you have downloaded the Radio Player Canada app. And if you haven't, you can download it and then type in 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM. And you can listen anywhere across the country in Canada on your device of choice. This morning, we have two guests in, on our show. Uh, first up, we have MC Goldrich, and she is Goldrick, I should say. She's the founder, author, and a mother of Mother Butterfly Books. We're going to be talking with her momentarily. But also, just to let you know that coming up uh, just after the bottom of the hour, we're going to have an interview with Mark Laform. He is an Indigenous uh, musician from the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. So listen for that coming up just after the bottom of the hour. But right now, let's get to our guest on the line from Ottawa, MC Goldrick. MC, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, you know, and what a wonderful set of books that you have going and a wonderful oh, ideas that are, you know, really uh, a clever, a clever idea that you have written for children and young adults and uh, youth, I guess you would say. And, you know, I- I'm wondering, first of all, where did the ideas come from? You know, this, 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 the titles even that you have are, are really great. Um, you know, time flies, and how that ties into the idea of being a fly on the wall, and and uh, and using that as sort of a time travel idea. It's really, really kind of cool. Oh, thank you. Um, I I can't say exactly where the idea came from. Where mm. all ideas come from, from the ethers. <laughs> mm. I just uh, managed to tune into that radio station that was playing this uh, book. Mm. Um, so time flies. The idea came to me um, just sort of in a flash. This idea of children being able to observe history as flies on the wall because you really don't notice the insects, <laughs> mm-hmm. the common ones that yeah. are floating around us, but they have quite a vantage point. They certainly do. And hence, the, I think, the comment about being a fly on the wall in certain exactly. situations. So yeah. um, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, what happens with, in some of these stories, sure. just to give some, some of the, the, our listeners an, an idea? Yeah, well, the premise, again, is it's three Canadian kids, and their names are Sam, Grizz, and Lish, and they're ab- able to travel through time as houseflies, and they only travel to places where their families already exist. So they're not able to like go back and visit dinosaurs unless their family happened to have been cavemen <laughs> back then. Um, so what, the way it works is they ask a question about their family and their ancestors, and they have these magical fly in amber cubes that transport them to the time and place that holds the answer. So um, they get to really develop empathy because they see not only what happened, but the events surrounding um, how their families developed and uh, what their ancestors actually lived through. And, and what a wonderful way to create a, a child's uh, interest or, or um, create a, even the idea of, hey, yeah, I've got, I've got family. I wonder where my family comes from. What's my family mm-hmm. history? So it's a really wonderful way of, of getting kids to trigger that because, not, you know, we don't always think about that in the long view of things, right? We're no. too focused on the present. Well, even in the first book, they just travel back about 30 years and see their mother as a child. Mm-hmm. And... That's something that's hard for a lot of people to picture, <laughs> the parents' as children. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. They get a different understanding of what she went through and how it created the person they know now. 
Yeah. Why do so, you think um, it was? Why do you think it's important that uh, you mentioned empathy? Why do you think that is important to to try to to uh, have kids identify with that at an early mm-hmm. age? Oh, absolutely. Um, the importance of empathy has been studied widely, and it really shows that it's something that. Um, we're all innately born with, mm-hmm. but it's like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. Mm. And the way we normally use it is by um, observing the people around us. And if the people around us are empathetic people, um, we naturally will model them. And sometimes we have the, those people in our lives. Sometimes we don't. Uh, another very strong way to develop empathy is through reading, reading mm. anything, because you get to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Right. Um, and the reason why I believe it is so important is because if we live in a world where empathy is revered as a very strong character trait, you can't go around hurting people. Mm. You just can't. <laughs> you won't. That's <laughs> very true. Yeah, so it really just, it, it's a trickle-down effect that um, if we have, if we nurture empathy in our children and in ourselves, we'll live in a different kind of world. Yeah, it, it kind of ties in with the idea of, of ignorance or, or, or being shown something, and then once mm-hmm. you're shown it, you can't go back and say, well, I didn't know. Right? Yeah. It's funny you mention that, though, because I've actually had a few people say to me um, that now they can't kill flies. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, you ruined it for me, and now That's I'm right. opening the door and letting that them might, fly out. <laughs> might be a kid. Or I might be. <laughs> yeah, it could be a little time traveler. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's great. So, so listen, can I ask what drew hmm. you to the idea of writing for children? And youth. Well, I didn't start out that way. I started writing for adults, and I okay. have a couple of novels that I've been working on and putting some little bits of time towards. Um, but I am a mother now. I have a six <laughs> and an eight-year-old, mm-hmm. and uh, telling them stories, telling them bedtime stories. Um, it sort of switched my storytelling <laughs> perspective mm-hmm. a little bit. So um, the uh, the novel really just, or the two novels, the Time Flies ones, really just dropped in and mm-hmm. uh, came out re- quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I've been working on other um, books that are little short story ones. Um, one called Brad Was Sad, about mm-hmm. a little boy who um, has a lot of big feelings about sadness, and then he's watching his dog and how his dog is able to overcome sadness quite easily mm-hmm. and doesn't have to stay in it. So I've with um, an artist, Alex, um, Rebecca Alexander, who um, has created some beautiful pieces, and we're going to be putting that together soon as well. So, um, yeah, the, I, I'm not sure exactly um, if I'm going to be going back to writing for adults mm-hmm. in the future, but right now my, my focus is on stuff for kids. So, so is it? do you find it... Uh what are the challenges with writing for children? Obviously, you you have to keep it simple. You have to be clear in the ideas, and and they have to be uh, they have to be concise in that in that way. Is that more mm-hmm. difficult to, to do? Um, I don't think so. No, my my biggest challenge is that I have more ideas mm-hmm. and stories that are sitting on the back burner than time to do them <laughs> um, to put them together into books <laughs> to put them out there. So, yeah, I, every night my kids are like, tell me a story, please. So I've gotten to the point where I start recording them. Because <laughs> sometimes we finish them, and I was like, that was really good, wasn't it? And they were like, yeah, you should make that into a book. But I've forgotten it already. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and, yeah. and, of course, the other thing with, with having kids is that uh, they really have a magical way of teaching you mm-hmm. as well, don't they? Oh, my goodness, do they ever. <laughs> I, I feel like that's actually something that is going to come out in one of my books. Mm. Um, I think uh, we, a lot of times as parents, we think it's our duty to teach the children, but I think we have to open, flip that script a bit and start realizing they're teaching us all the time, but are we being good students? Are mm-hmm. we listening? Are we following them? I actually had an, uh, 
an experience with my kids the other day surrounding sharing, where my daughter was telling me about people wanting something she had and how she had set up an idea of, okay, I will give it to you two people a day. <laughs> I will let them mm. share it for a small moment. And I kind of thought, well, you should just share it with everyone. <laughs> and then I realized after that I was like, no, it's, it's okay. Sharing is only sharing when you want to do it. Otherwise, why do you have to give away your happiness to someone else? So mm. she was teaching me. Right. In that sense that, you know, it's good to have these boundaries. While I might have been raised with a different kind of outlook mm-hmm. of, um, you know, if, if some, somebody wants something you have, you should give it to them right away. And, and, um, not necessarily <laughs> the best course. <laughs> and Mother Butterfly Books, how long mm-hmm. has that been around for? And, and uh, you've obviously started to incorporate other, other authors with this. Yeah, well. it's, it's been a year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and... Um, I have some really great authors that I'm working with, a couple that I've already got some of their books out. Um, one of them, Cindy Gaudet, um, her, um, her book, Moontime Prayer, um, which is, it's a really, it's a treasure. It's an indigenous women's wisdom surrounding moontime, and it's told mm. from the perspective of a grandmother and an auntie who are teaching the, um, their niece and granddaughter about why their mother has left for her moon time and what mm. does that mean and what does it mean to become a woman and what are all the teachings surrounding that. And so it's really, it's well done. It's beautiful, a beautiful artwork as well by um, Métis artist Leah Dorian. Mm. And, and, her, and her work is and, really beautiful. And what a wonderful um, uh, uh, way to introduce kids and children and, and young girls to moon time mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, it's a really different take on how that is perceived in the world, I think, so... Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, the narrative has often been very negative, so yeah, it's exactly. bringing beauty to it and celebration. Yeah, 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 absolutely, that's great. Now, you also, uh, in one of your, your um, uh, 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 books that you have written on Time Flies, you also deal with um, a story having to do with Manitoulin Island and Indigenous Correct. people. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in that book, I don't want to give too much of a spoiler for any no. kids who might be reading it, <laughs> but um, they... they inquire about um, how did their ancestors become Canadian? How did their mm. family become Canadian? And that's not something that they know about. Mm. And so they find themselves in nature on Manitoulin Island in 1867 as Canada is becoming a country. Mm. So, of course, they're not really clear about what's happening. As yes. they're just, just put, piecing the clues together, they discover that their family was First Nations mm-hmm. and that that um, part of history has been disconnected from. Mm-hmm. So when they come back to present time, they get start to do some research and get some understanding about the oppression that happened over the mm-hmm. years and why um, this part of their culture has been suppressed in their lineage. And I found that re- interesting that that topic came through with the book because I actually have some people in my life who are rediscovering um, their own roots and finding that they have family histories that they didn't know about. And, and we're hearing a lot of, of that these days, mm. more and more from people that are in those situations and discovering those roots. So it's a very timely kind of story, and, and it's great that you've done that for, for children to start exploring and look at. Because Thank I you. think that in, in many ways, a lot of people, you know, even, my, uh, even when I hear my, my own daughter uh, at, at school uh, and something comes up dealing with First Nations, um, a lot of kids will will identify or say, "Hey, you know, my dad said he's part whatever," and um, and they they don't really talk about that a whole lot. And it's nice to hear that coming out. Maybe that's part and parcel of what has happened with truth and reconciliation as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you've had this. Uh, you've launched uh, um, uh, Mother Butterfly Books for about a year, but as you say, you you were doing other things before that. 
um, mm-hmm. and writing for adults. Um, what uh, what kind of a genre were you doing <laughs> for adult books? Oh, I, I didn't publish any of my adult stuff. Okay. I haven't. I, I never moved it forward. I was mm-hmm. writing it. Yeah. Um, I previous to writing those books, I was technical writer, and okay. I worked for IBM for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So I've been writing a lot, but it wasn't um, creative writing. So it's been really nice after I had my children. I decided to stay at home with them, and I was able to reconnect with my creativity. Mm. And um, so being creative with them through, like, arts and crafts time and music and story time, it's really mm. it revived that in me. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, uh, just going back to what we were talking about earlier about how kids teach us, I'm not yeah. sure if you're familiar with this, but uh, there is uh, the indigenous belief is that actually children choose the parents. Did you know mm, that? I believe that too. I and totally believe that. Yeah. And the spirits are floating around, and they actually look down to say, "Oh, I think that those yes. people might be uh, good to have as parents." So it's it's a really another a different take on the whole idea of of how we perceive our, our children. As you as you were talking about, we we're here yeah. to guide them, we're here to look after them, but we're really leaving the earth to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and they come in with so much knowledge if we're just able to <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a very simple uh, and straightforward wisdom that's there with that they're born mm-hmm. with. Absolutely. Um, you you talked about a couple of other things that you've got coming up that you're going to be uh, looking at. Uh, I think you you talked about We the People and Brad Brad was sad. Yeah, We the People is a is a novel I'm actually just putting the finishing touches onto. Um, it's going to be for more of a young adult audience, mm. and it's a part of a trilogy, and it, it also ties into these. Um, these insects and fairy creatures and um, and earth energies mm. that exist around us that we're not always in tune with. And again, I I think I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to get the name right. Leah Dorian shared this with me that mm. uh, Manny Do Manny Douche I think Manny Doon is um, the um, Manitou. Um, I've written it down somewhere. But anyway, okay. it's yeah. a, a belief that all these um, there's a little spirits. That okay. live in the, the ah, insect, yes. and when okay. they're around us, we can actually acknowledge them as the little spirits. Mm-hmm. So, the premise for we the people is that there's this girl who, just from birth, she's able to communicate with the natural world quite mm-hmm. easily, mm-hmm. and it turns out that they have chosen her to be the um, voice, the, the spokesperson for their world to humanity. Mm-hmm. And so, the first book is going through her early formative years. Mm-hmm as she's um, a child, navigating, having all these different voices coming to her, all these, you know, the butterflies are speaking to her, the spiders, everybody, and humanity, which doesn't always want to know that uh, those voices are there. Mm. <laughs> so it's been a, a, we the people, so they're, right. they're saying we're the people that want right. to speak to humanity. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, is, is I Spy With My Little Fly the, the same thing that we were talking about earlier? Uh, no, it's actually a picture and joke book. Okay. Um, uh, so it's like um, a look and find and pictures with jokes and facts for children. So we have different topics. So there's like puppies, pizza, um, and I've got ladybirds and Easter right now. So they're just they're fun little books, very picture rich and just things to be um, activity books for kids to laugh right. and learn from. Sound like for a very young audience. Yep. <laughs> now, what about um, do you do you uh, go out to schools or do you give public uh, public speaking and those kind of things? Yeah, I do. I've been visiting schools, and I've begun a project. Um, it's re- really at the initiative phase here. Um, of, it's called Imaginal Anthologies, 
Okay. And it was inspired by something that happened to me when I was in grade four. I'm, I'm from Thunder Bay, Ontario. And um, a poem I wrote was chosen by my teacher and by a publisher to go into an anthology of uh, po- poems and short stories of children of northwestern Ontario. Mm. So at the time, I loved writing, but I was very shy to share any of my material. So having that published for me was like a pivotal moment where it really made me feel like, oh, maybe people do want to read what I write. And it, it was empowering for me. So I had the idea that I'd like to share that feeling and that experience with as many other kids as possible. And instead of it being like a competition, because I find that a lot of the arts are made into competitions when mm-hmm. they don't need to be, it can just be a celebration. So I've been visiting schools and inviting the kids to share their creations by providing them a platform that they can share them on. So um, we've been doing writing workshops in the schools, and then the kids submit their short stories. We're compiling them all into um, anthologies to be shared with the world. So what are you finding having with that kind of, uh, what kind of response are you getting, and what are you hearing back, and what are you discovering? Well, I'm, I'm finding the kids are really excited about it. Um, there does need to be a little more structure involved in it. That's what I'm finding. I need to work with the teachers because um, so far I've just sort of invited the kids. And while they're interested in class, some of them follow up and finish it at home. But I think if it was a school project for fun, it would be, um, there'd be more uh, response there. Um, but I have had some uh, kids telling me, and their parents actually reaching out to me and telling me that um, it was so inspirational that now they want to write. Mm. And I had one girl contact me because she wanted to do her class project on me because she's working on this Im- imaginal uh, anthology project. And um, it's, it's really allowing them to think about what can I do with these creations that mm. I've made. So... And, and it's really helping kids use their, their mind and their imagination yeah. and uh, stimulating them on a bunch of different levels that uh, we know they all need to be stimulated on. Absolutely. I'm also, I've just created a YouTube channel. It's, again, mm. very new. Um, but that's my idea is to make it interactive. So the kids could um, create a picture mm. and submit it, and I will tell, story tell around that picture. Mm. Um, and the same thing to encourage them to share their creativity. So uh, you say you've just started that. How? How? I mean, yeah. you're based in Ottawa. How far uh, reach or how far are your your books get and and this kind of uh, thing getting responses from? Um, right now, the imaginal thing is I've only reached out within Ottawa. Okay. I haven't. I mean, I've, I haven't actually put the imaginal invitation onto YouTube sure. yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, listen, we have to take a short pause, so we'll do that now and come back and talk more. So please stay on the line, and listeners, okay, you, you also uh, stay tuned and listen. We'll come back and talk more with MC Goldrick right after this. She's the founder, author, and also a mother of Mother Butterfly Books. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Element FM and Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Just as a reminder, coming up just after the bottom of the hour, our second uh, guest will be with us. His name is Mark LaForme, and he is a musician from the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. He had a long musical career, still performing, but uh, his uh, one of the things he did in his career was to perform with Stomp and Tom Connors. In fact, he performed at Stomp and Tom's funeral, a uh, very interesting story. So stay, stay tuned for that coming up uh, just after the bottom of the hour. Right now, though, we are talking with MC Goldrick. She's the founder, author, and also a mother of Mother Butterfly Books. And uh, she is writing for children. She has some very cool books 
um, that are out uh, having to do with uh, uh, things like fly, being a fly on the wall and time traveling. A very cool idea and getting kids to think about um, history in that regard because of time travel, uh, looking at their own family history as well as larger issues. And uh, she has uh, um, other projects on the go as well. If you're interested in finding out more, you can go to uh, her website, and I believe that is uh, motherbutterfly.com, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, uh, MC? That is correct, motherbutterfly.com. Now, you have some other social media sites as well that people can look to. Um, uh, You have a Facebook page? Yeah, it's Time Flies Books. And I'm also on Instagram as MC Goldrick. Right, M. C. <laughs> Goldrick. Uh, yeah, uh, you can right. find that out. And you say you've got a web page uh, or a YouTube page going, but uh, it's sort of in the early stages. If that's it is, yeah. yeah. But uh, people will certainly, if they go to your other uh, 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 social media sites, they can also um, find out more about that as as you move along. Now, time flies. Your books that we were talking about earlier, as I just uh-huh. mentioned. Um, they deal with uh, with kids traveling um, and uh-huh. and the amber idea of going that amber it's it's all I guess that whole idea is about the idea that um, uh, mosquitoes and flies have been have been captured in amber uh, and we That's find right, those yeah. in history right we find go back and and they've actually I think they've they've actually pulled blood out of mosquitoes um, and and found that they date back like to dinosaurs and all kinds wow. of stuff. If I'm not mistaken, anyway, but um, that's cool. Yeah. So the other thing, though, that you want to talk about, and and you know, I I want to tell, I want to just ex- explain a little bit, a little bit more about um uh, about your your I guess the idea behind Mother Butterfly Butterfly Books Project. Mm-hmm. It's uh, inviting children to share their creations, providing platforms, as you were talking about this all anthology thing. Um, to share them without judgment or, or competition, as you mentioned earlier, to yes. encourage creativity, uh, redefine creativity. You've gotten school kids involved with some of this stuff so they can share this on, online. And, and as you mentioned earlier, you, you, you get kids to submit a picture and then you'll write a story around it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if the kids then want to respond and, ha- and create their own stories with those things. Well, yeah, as well. that's exactly. I would love to do that. Mm-hmm. The more we can share, the better. Now, you have uh, your observation, as you point out, uh, of kids, is that, and I think it's right, it's right, we do form our, our ideas, are based on ourselves, on outside opinions, and what people say to us, and how they say these things to us, and, and, and those kind of things, and then we internalize those opinions. Right. So, um, until, as you say, until we realize that those opinions were never true, and we can rewrite it internally... Um, we, we, we will continue on that road. Now, it's interesting you say that. Um, yeah. and, and, and I'd like to know why you came around, you came about with that, 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 with, with that opinion and observation. Well, um, why I came about with that opinion, I think there's a lot of actually background in there. Um, I did study before I had children with Algonquin Shaman Pete Bernard, mm-hmm. um, for a couple of years. And, the teachings that I received through him were basically like we were looking through our past to see what false beliefs we've created and how those false beliefs can then inform who we believe ourselves to be. Mm. So that, that, that's a whole other conversation about <laughs> all the different things I learned in that 
segment of my life and my past. Um, but what I really can see, I can see it in everybody. It's it's not just children and adults, but it's this idea that um, people will tell you who you are, mm. and you can accept that and say, yep, that's who I am, and start modeling that behavior. Or you can say, mm, no, I don't think I'm going to go that route. And oftentimes in families, it keeps going, right? So mm-hmm. there's a, a mother who was told she was a bad girl. She has a child. She tells her the same thing, and mm-hmm. then it goes on and on and on. And the kids just say, well, if you, you say I'm bad, I'm, you, I must be. And there's actually a quote from a rap artist, Eminem, mm-hmm. in his song, The Way I Am. And he says, I am whatever you say I am. If I wasn't, then why would you say I am? <laughs> and it's a simple quote, but I really think there's like uh, most of our population believes that. Yeah, and I think it, it's a very interesting point to make because it's, it's interesting why we buy into that so quickly as well, you know? Um, now, as, as young people, as, as kids, um, it's kind of like that old, that old saying about uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, <laughs> yeah. right? Shame on me. Um, but we're taught that, and if we're, not, if, we're not ex- if we're not told when we get older, if we're not surrounded by the people that can, can enlighten us to say yeah. it's not true, you know, you can create your own narrative, then yeah. we still buy into that when we get older and we never come out of it. And I, I'm mm. guilty of that. I learned that oh, very, very late, very, very late in life <laughs> um, to, uh, to, to understand that. And, and it, 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 uh, I, I teach my kids to believe in themselves 100% and that they can do whatever they want. So, so yeah, that's, and, um, yep, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, it's also recognizing that the people we meet have all been taught these things, too. So when you meet somebody and they're not being their best version of themselves, Mm -hmm. you can meet them with that empathy of, I know that you're actually better than this, but you don't know that yet. (laughs) So um, when you can recognize the greatness in someone else, it it actually sets like an imprint for them to be able to recognize it, too. And I see it when I go into the schools and when... Uh, like not just as an author, but as a mom, I volunteer in the school regularly. Mm. I do drama clubs, mm. soccer clubs, and things. And when you start just saying nice things to children, just like "Wow, you did a really great job there. Good job," you know, whatever it might mm-hmm. be, you can see them light up. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with adults. And a lot of times um, in our culture, we're we're holding back compliments. Yep. I don't yep. really know why. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something that doesn't cost us anything to give, <laughs> but. <laughs> So I think it's about changing that that flow of being able to say to somebody, "Oh, I really love what you did there. Yeah. And that was really kind of you." And and some people can start seeing themselves differently. It's just these little tiny things, and we're all able to do that, even if we're not all the way there ourselves. Yeah. So that does tie in exactly with uh, what you you were saying about nurturing greatness in children and adults, and mm-hmm. and how we can. So so how do you think? How do you think your your books um, help adults in that way? Because they are towards kids, but we all get messages out of this (laughs) stuff, right? Yeah, well, the actual, the first book, um, I've actually had a lot of parents who read it with their younger Mm -hmm. children, Mm -hmm. and they told me at the end, they were the ones crying. (laughs) And the kids didn't feel like they should cry. (laughs) It was not a tearjerker for a child, but for a parent, (laughs) they were suddenly like, wow, I can see how my mother was the way she was, and I can see how... Maybe I'm not exactly the mother I thought I would always mm. be, but mm. that's okay, and I can fix that mm-hmm. um, in a very non-judgmental way, just in a very real, we're all uh, working with what we've got and right. doing the best we can. That's very that's very interesting, of course, and mm-hmm. congratulations on, on all of that. It sounds like uh, wonderful stuff, uh, very encouraging. 
uh, as you say, and, and a way of helping kids uh, come out of their shell as well as uh, teach them at an earlier age, perhaps, that um, what they are being told is not necessarily what they uh, are meant to be, to stay in the box that, that, that they see that has been thrown around them and, uh, and that they can uh, uh, strive to greatness and be whatever that is that they, uh, they want to be. Right. You know, I, the more I heard, they know amazing, the more amazing they can be. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it ties in with gifts, uh, gifts that we are given. Your gift, it sounds mm-hmm. like, is the gift to share uh, through children and, and, and writing purposes to, to help others. And, and, you know, that's something uh, is to find the gift that you have been given. And I remember being at a, at a conference some years ago, and someone said, if you have a gift, if you've been given a gift, and you're not sharing that gift. You are doing yourself and the world a disfavor. Yeah. But the thing is, I really think the gift we've been given is just being yourself, <laughs> your true self, not the self that you right. think you are, right? Yeah. Well, and so that's, if you can be that true self, you're sharing your gifts with the world. <laughs> and, and that is the thing of, uh, of coming yeah. to realize and identify, which a lot of people don't necessarily mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Yes. But that will change. <laughs> So, right. and I thank you for the uh, quote of Eminem. It was nice <laughs> to get that in here. Um, I don't think I have any other quotes that I quote him on, <laughs> necessarily, right. but I like that one. Right. <laughs> so, listen, uh, MC, I want, to, uh, I want to tell people again about your website and thank also you. to share about your, uh, your other social media uh, platforms that people can reach you on. So, the website is motherbutterfly.com. People can go there and and, uh, and find out more about you and about the books that are listed and the other authors that you're working with currently. And I think they can order books online from there as well? Correct, yeah. And are there other places they can get books from? Um, in Ottawa, they're at the local bookstores, Chapters, Indigo, and the local independent mm-hmm. stores. Okay. But I haven't expanded beyond Ottawa yet and okay. uh, without it being ordered in. And uh, your Facebook is Time Flies Books? That's right. And, of course, that's facebook.com slash timeflyesbooks. And, and then uh, also your Instagram is instagram.com backslash m.c.goldrick backslash, correct? And you are working on your, your YouTube page, which you will be having more information on as that becomes yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, more solidified. Okay, anything else you want to end off with today that you uh, I, I haven't had a chance I just want to say thank to? you so much for hosting me today. This has been a really lovely talking with you, and I really appreciate uh, the, your time, and uh, thank you. Well, it's been our pleasure as well. I, I thank you for the great work that you're doing. Uh, it's very important that we encourage our children to be the best they can be and to show, as you say, empathy. It's great that uh, we want to show the empathy to turn them into uh, uh, very strong young people so they can turn into very strong uh, adults. And as you say, um, maybe uh, by doing this, the next generation will be more uh, not only empathetic, but more willing to, as you you point out, (laughs) be willing to share uh, a good healthy comment about what a great job you're doing and, and, uh, and, and, and share those kind of things that we, we all like to hear. We all like to hear yeah. that stuff. That we're well, doing everything a great we do job. affects seven generations forward and back. So. You got that right. <laughs> Absolutely. It will definitely help. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks once again, MC, for joining us. And uh, we appreciate your time and wish you all the best Thank in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. You too. Take care. <laughs> We've been Bye-bye. speaking with MC Goldrick. She's the founder, author 
of Mother Butterfly Books. And as you uh, as you heard us mention, you can uh, reach her online at motherbutterfly.com. And her other platforms are on Facebook at Time Flies Books and also Instagram at m.cgoldrick backslash. And she is working on a YouTube page. She'll have more on that. And uh, pleasure talking with her. We're going to take another break and then we are going to come back with Mark LaForme, and he has some very interesting things to say. So don't go away. You're going to hear Mark LaForme's uh, interview conversation coming up right after this. All right. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we are with Mark LaForme. He is from the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, or as they were called, the Mississaugas of the New Credit, and they've recently changed their name. Mark has been in the music industry for a long time, and if you're not familiar with him, uh, he's uh, he... he can play a mean guitar and a harmonica. And uh, I think you might hear a little bit of that later on, but we're going to get back and talk a little bit about Mark. Mark, I want to, it sounds like, like you mentioned earlier, right out of the starting block, you were, you were playing with some, some pretty serious, serious musicians. You, know, you mentioned to Crowbar who had just broken yeah. up and they had a contract and, and they were, they were very well known in, in the country. Um, that, that was, uh, that's, says something about your talent right there. Yeah, I guess uh, I studied those bands. All I did once I learned to play guitar was just practice and practice and learn songs, learn songs by my heroes like Crowbar and King Biscuit Boy and and the blues artists that I loved. That's why I picked up harmonica. And later on, my harmonica style became a country-style harmonica and Mm. uh, intermixes with blues. Yeah, I was lucky because I was playing in Caledonia and Rolly Greenway from Crowbar happened to live in Caledonia at that time. He popped into the club and I knew other people from just getting out there. I think the I was shy, I was scared half the time and insecure about my playing and everything else because mm-hmm. I was a teenager. But I got out there. I don't know why I did, but you know, that's the whole thing is getting into the city, yeah. meeting players, meeting and not being scared about it, even well, though you are. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you kind of you share that at least with Robbie Robertson, right? He started out very young, sixteen, uh, oh, with yeah. the Hawk, and yeah. and uh, getting out there and doing thing. And he's, uh, f- of course, from Six Nations, so you have that to share with him. Yes, uh, I, when you're young, you kind of are fearless. Mm. Although you're insecure, mm. you're still fearless. You want it. You mm. want it more than anything, so you go for it. And there's no other time to start than being young, you know, because mm. it's going to be a long, hard road. Mm. You go through a lot of changes throughout the years. So I'd like to know, did you come from a musical family? No. Really? No, not at all. My mom and dad, they might have sang and stuff like mm. that, but they didn't play. They just they just knew I wanted to play and bought me a guitar. And my un- Some of my uncles did, and, mm. uh, you know. I remember Ward LaForme, who was my next-door neighbor, he used to play, and Frank LaForme, he used to come over and play guitar, and I'd sit, I'd sit there and watch. Or I'd go to the wedding dances and see Mel Rowe and the Midnight Ramblers and <laughs> and Gary Smith on guitar and people like that. And Dave Anderson, he was another one. Mm-hmm. I'd seen him play with his soul bands. He was a teacher, and he used to let us play practice in his basement every Saturday. I don't know how his wife put up with us, but she did. Dave Anderson was a great player, too. So I just grew up with the the dream and the drive to want to do something, you know. Hmm. And it was practice, just 
No, there's a, now, uh, now that surprises me a little bit, only because there are so many laforms that are musical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from New Credit. No, nowadays there is. Yeah, it's like uh, there was uh, Red Laform mm. and Dwayne Laform. And yeah, I know we're playing some of the same blues clubs here and there. As yeah, it's coming along. The reserve is. They're selling a lot of guitars on a reserve. And so are those guys related to you at all? Uh, distant cousins, yeah. yeah. We're all LaForms. We came from the same mm. two LaForm boys who came from Quebec, you know. Mm. Met, the, met the Chippewas <laughs> along the Credit River there and <laughs> came here. Uh, Chippewas, that's what we were called. When I was a kid, I didn't know what the word Mississauga was. We didn't uh, know what we were, you know. Mm. We just knew that we were Chippewas because uh, the the guys from Six Nations wouldn't let us forget it that we were different from them. <laughs> I didn't even know there was two reserves back mm, when I was a kid, right? You know, but there is, you know. Okay. We learned the hard way, right? So you've seen a lot of changes then in your community as well. Over oh, there. very much so. When I was a kid, there was no, there was no uh, pavement. Yeah. <laughs> it was dirt roads and <laughs> potholes and right. dust and and, uh, and houses, you know. Mm. Now there's a little more money. You see uh, trucks everywhere. Everybody's yeah. got a truck. Yeah. And all the roads are paved, almost all of them. Mm. Yeah, a lot of changes. and uh, Some, you know, I don't know what to say. Good comes with it, too. A lot of good from money and sometimes bad, too. So you, you played, uh, as mentioned, uh, you played with uh, Ronnie Hawkins a little bit, did you? A little bit. I just sat in with him a few times. I was never... A, a member of his band. I hired a lot of people from his band. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I met him a few times. He's a good old boy, as, as everybody knows. You know, he's been a big influence on me. And uh, I think you mentioned uh, Jeff Healy earlier. That was... Uh, Jeff Healy. He was yeah. in the studio when you were in there? Is that what... Oh, no, that was uh, sometimes when we touched, what was his right. name? Uh, uh, Hill, Dan Hill. Right. But I met uh, Jeff Healy through a friend of mine, Dave Murphy, was his backup band at that time. And Jeff bought a bought a nightclub in Toronto mm. on Ossington or something. And I was invited to play one night at his club. So I went in there and jammed with Jeff. Mm. It was great. Jeff right. plays very loud, but it was <laughs> it was fun. It was and, and he didn't want to do blues jams. He wanted to play country. So oh, really? it was great. We we're doing you know, Jambalaya right. and Merle Haggard and everything. Yeah. He, he yeah. loved it. It was a great night. He's and quite then, a versatile guy. Yeah, he is. And he plays trumpet like crazy. Mm-hmm. And he, and he uh, studies, he studied uh, old-time jazz. Yeah. And he died shortly after I was there, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. was very sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Colin James. Colin James, uh, once again, he was had members in his band that were friends of mine, like Jesse O'Brien, and he still uses them when he comes to this part of Canada. And he just happened to be, him and Tom Wilson, I've known Tom for a long time, they got up with us at the Kerrigan one night we were playing and just they just got up and jammed you know mm. a couple of songs so bill dylan just going back he was in your band with you yes um was that prior so he that so dan scouted bill from from your band is yeah. that what you're saying wow well they knew each other okay. for a while because yeah. dan did a lot of session work at right. that grand avenue i did yeah, yeah. i did a bit also i used to do vocal jingles that dan would write you know yes yeah. Oh, a door is a door, and a drawer is a drawer. If you do a door, you do it better. Fix up your kitchen or your bathroom or your bedroom or more. With affordable, adorable, you do a door. <laughs> and there was other commercials that I sang for Grand Avenue. It was a, quite a going thing. Right. 
Dan would be the producer for these, uh, mm. him and Ed Roth. And, mm. uh, but Bill Dillon, yeah. He came out of uh, Ronnie Hawkins. He needed a job, so I hired him. Mm. He could play steel, like mm. a steel player. He played mm-hmm. guitar, fiddle, mandolin. Yeah. He was a great guy. And I learned a lot from him. I, I heard his name before. But he was only short-lived my band because, you know, Dan came down and touched him on the head and there he went away to <laughs> La La Land. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he still lives around here. I yeah, he's in Bradford. Still, I still, still see him Still a session a musician, I yes, understand. Yes, he still plays like Yow's did. Still yeah. a Beatle freak, you know. Yeah. Cool. He's a great player. So um, to this date, how many how many albums did you put out? Uh, let me see. Uh, first one, I mostly just put out singles. Mm. Then I collected them all, and I called it to the right. best of my recollection. <laughs> I put them on a CD. Then I then I did a blues album, just live off the floor in Hagersville. Oh, okay. Recorded with Josh Miller was on it. it was called mm. Mark's No Frills. Mm. Was yellow with a label, <laughs> just like the store of uh, some blues classic and a few songs that I wrote. Is that okay to do that? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> let them find me. What are they going to sue me and get nothing? Yeah, let them. And uh, then I recorded another one called Vintage of uh, songs, other people's songs, and a lot of my songs. Mm. So, and that one, and Stompin' Tom, he produced a CD for me. Half were his songs that I that I arranged for my style, and some of my stuff that was called True to Form. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's uh, and I recorded uh, his version of I Am the Wind because mm. one night uh, when we opened up for him, we had to sing his songs too in the mm. show because okay. you know he wanted to keep the publishing in the show because rather than give it away, there was of there was to be no American songs. Mm. I got away with a Robbie Robertson song, of course, you know, because I had to play. I made Shape I'm In in mm. the bluegrass version. Mm. I played some other songs that I wrote, but I and I showed him my version of I Am The Wind. I started off with just my voice and the band comes in. He just loved it. Mm. He says, you got to record that. So mm. we did a whole album and he's, and I didn't know it, but it was in his, uh, his dying wish that I would sing at his funeral. Yeah. My version of I Am the Wind. Yeah. That must have been quite touching for That you. was. I was surprised when I got, I just found out he died. The next thing I got a call from Tommy Jr. saying, Dad wanted you to sing I Am the Wind at uh, yeah. the memorial in Peterborough and at his funeral. Mm. So, yeah, so it was, uh, I was touched, mm. to say the least, because, you know, to be honored like that with a, mm-hmm. a Canadian legend, you know. Sure. Well, you've uh, you've 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 been uh, uh, sharing the stage with a couple of uh, Canadian legends. Uh, one with with uh, Stomp Tom, and then Robbie Robertson, which yes. uh, oh, yeah. when he was inaugurated there. So that's that's that, that was something. a great day. He was so he was so uh, he was very open to everybody. Just mm. shook everybody's hand. It was very nice. It's nice when he uh, because he doesn't get back this way very often. No. And it's nice when he does and yeah. he's able to still. Uh, have that uh, personal touch with everybody. Yeah, his family. I remember uh, Doug Mike. He's mm. uh, his cousin, or is it? That's who he visits. He's he was related to the Mikes and the Chryslers. Doug Mike used to be a big uh, drinking buddy with my dad. Mm. <laughs> my dad passed away in '84, but I, I I seen Doug around since then. I didn't know he was related to Robbie. You know, that was all a surprise to me 
I was a fan of the band from 1968 when I bought Big Pink, but mm. I had no idea until till Robbie did his, that album of his own album that he was native and from around here. Right. I think it was surprised a lot of people. Well, you just may have answered a question for me because I got to meet Robbie years ago when um, I think I was working at the radio station here and he had come back for some family event or something and someone asked me if I wanted to go and meet him and it was over at uh, the uh, Polytechnic. Yeah. And um, I said, sure, I'd love to, you know. And uh, he and I were in the room together and we were talking and I shook his hand and uh, told him I told him his name, my name. And he said, we might be related. Yeah. And I went, what? Like, and because there's Mike in my history. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't know what he meant by that. I didn't know how he meant that at the time. Yeah. Interesting. We'll have to talk further about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got some more stories about Mike's that I've met. <laughs> okay. Donald, uh, Basil Donovan was mm. married to uh, Mike, and she had, uh, he had kids with her. Mm. Uh, Verna, she was a singer. And she was related to Robbie, too. So, mm. All right. There you go. Well, we're going to take another pause. And I think when we come back, uh, we might uh, have a tune by Mr. Mark LaForme, if he is so willing to sure. uh, to share. Um, any idea what you might be uh, pulling out of your hat? I don't know. Okay. I haven't really decided yet. It'll be a surprise. All right. We'll be right back on Moment of Truth after this break with more Mark LaForme right here on Element FM 106.5 and 95.7 in Ottawa. And now here is Mark LaForme performing I Am the Wind by Stompin' Tom Connors. I am the wind. I am the wind Without foe Without friend I have no home No cares to tend All alone I am the wind I am the wind I am the wind Where I go Is where I've been I'm here today And gone again On my way I am the wind, worthy wind, a gentle breeze in lover's glen, in the awesome tales of fishermen, testing sail. I am the wind I am the wind Contrary wind Here to serve My maker's end 
I don't believe I've ever sinned I only know I am the wind Yes, I do. Pick the tempo up a bit there. Here's a song I wrote a long time ago. This was on uh, the No Frills album. It's kind of about, uh, almost biographical, but not. There was no Cindy Lou, and she was not my, my girl, but we can dream. We can make anything up in songs and stories. Let me get the right key here. Okay. Little rockin' Cindy Lou, honey, where'd you go? Last time I seen you was the summer of 74. You were only 17, we could always get you in. To any rock bar dance hall shaking in Ontario. I met you in Delhi. At the Belgium Hall, we were rocking to BTO. We always had a ball. The Summer Gardens poured over. King Biscuit Boy and Crowbar. The foot and cold water at the Key in Bella. 
girl, we try to see it all. A little rock and sandy loop, honey, where you been? Twenty years later and you're still clearing in my dreams. <laughs> Are you still long and lean? Do you still wear your jeans like skin? You're the best thing I ever seen in Ontario. been great having you in uh, today i really appreciate you to, to come in and do this for us and uh, play a couple of songs and share some memories and share some of uh, some of the things about your own material as well and i wish you uh, all the best in the future and, and continued success and thank you dave for making it painless for me <laughs> that was good <laughs> no, I no worries it. and hopefully we can do this again sometime for sure thank you all right so you've been listening to moment of truth on element fm i'm your host david moses and our guest today in the studio was Mr. Mark LaForme from the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, a musician extraordinaire, guitar player extraordinaire, and as you heard, a harmonica player extraordinaire. It's been great having him in today. I also want to say nyawa miigwech wanishi and thank you to everyone who helps put Moment of Truth together. They include in Ottawa, Jill Kennedy, Aidan Wolf, and Caroline O'Neill. In Toronto, Janet Lamb, Andrew Johnson, Luca Capone, Kathy Zabokin, Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain. Nyawa miigwech, and thanks for listening. This show was brought to you in part by APTN.